Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. This is TopSpeed Podcasts Live, and because it's live and I can't get the audio to work, I'm going to play you a chord for our intro music. Amazing, amazing. Amazing. Wow. Welcome to our lunch day party. It is Thursday, June, what is today, 19th? 19th. 19th. 2014. It is episode 16 of the TopSpeed.com podcast. Uh, joining me today is our editor-in-chief, Justin Coupler. Hi, Justin. Hello there, Christian. Glad to see you're working hard to become the next Eric Clapton. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can. Uh, also <laughs> joining us is Mr. Mark McNabb, the bearded wonder. Hello, Mark. <laughs> yes, I am the bearded wonder. Uh, I'm doing well, yeah. <laughs> wow, you're eating lunch. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, well, don't be. It's macaroni and cheese. Uh, um, and it's the one thing I've eaten since, like, 5 o'clock yesterday. Okay, no, I'm not jealous. <laughs> It, we we work hard for you people. Okay, so uh, right. This is the topspeed.com podcast. You guys know how it works. We're going to talk about all the crazy cool automotive news that you guys are interested in and some kind of stuff that we want to talk about too. Uh, don't forget if you like our show and you don't want to see our faces, you can just subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll get everything in your little phone or your inbox or whatever you have instantaneously when it goes live and you don't even have to bother with any of us. Yeah, um, but you suck if you do that because you know, we're just we're beautiful men. We are awesome, but we do appreciate all of our sub- subscribers on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate everyone who leaves us a rating or a review. That makes us feel really good. We appreciate it. We read all of those. Um, also, on today's show, uh, I'm going to talk about some of this stuff. So I've got, um, yeah, these are keychains, and I've got lots of stickers, and you guys have seen my shirts that I wear, and I even have, like, an awesome, cool gumball backpack. Um, I have lots of stuff from Gumball, and it's taking up a lot of room in my house, so I'm going to be giving a lot of it away. If you guys want to know how you can win some of that, just pay attention, and sometime later on in the show, I'm going to tell you what to do. Make me send some of that stuff to you. Free stuff. free <laughs> But we're going to go ahead and jump right into it with our weekly wheels this week, and uh, we're going to start with Mr. Justin Coupler, who has a Honda Civic SI to talk about. Yeah, I got a, a week behind the wheel of a Honda Civic Si, the rice boy wonder that it is. Um, <laughs> you know, when they told me I was getting it, it was kind of a double-edged sword. I was happy because the Honda Civic Si is kind of a cult icon, um, but it also has a stigma attached to it of fart pipes, body kits, and grocery grocery cart spoilers on the back end. So I was kind of kind of on the fence about it, but I had high hopes because of what it is. You know, 205 horsepower, 174 pound-feet of torque. Oh, this little tiny sedan, it had to be great. And um, really it was. Um, as soon as I found the sweet spot in the power band, it was nice. Um, it's a little underpowered at low R's and very, very, very buzzy at high RPMs. But it loves that middle range. It loves right around 3,000 to 4,500 RPM. Right in that range is this nice sweet spot where it just pulls real hard. But what about um, when the VTIC kicks in, yo? VTIC, yo. Yo, homie, it's got it's got itself an iVTEC gauge too. <laughs> that's that's very tall engine coolant for those of you who don't know. <laughs> that that was by far the most ridiculous thing, the iVTEC gauge. And then they had a redundant iVTEC gauge just in case you can't get enough iVTEC looking, you can see the power meter on the other screen, which is nothing but the same iVTEC gauge, but with percentages next to it. So <laughs> hey, we do math, bro. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of interesting, but it was cool because it acts just like a shift light, basically. But it's it was a neat option if they just would have called it a shift light instead of IT deck mirror. It's kind of ricey. Well, but, but uh, you know what's sort of funny about that 
is now Honda is in very rarefied company because do you know what other cars put some sort of power gauge in their car with a percentage? Hyundai, Hyundai, uh, uh, no, Rolls Royce. Hyundai, Hyundai yes. did two in the old uh, Tiburon when they first. Rolls Royce and Bugatti. Bugatti gives you a horsepower gauge. It goes one to one thousand and one, <laughs> and Rolls Royce has a power reserve meter that starts at one hundred percent and then goes down. For I love that one. That one's nice. the best. I know. Yeah. I'm I'm using 80, or I have 80% of my power in reserve. If I need to be wafted away more quickly, I can. <laughs> nice. The, well, the the Hyundai, like I said, the Hyundai Tiburon had that a while ago, but it's a torque meter. It shows you how much torque mm. you're getting. Uh, it's rather ridiculous. It's like 2003, and then they got rid of it after that. Well, that's uh, interesting. I, I kind of want to see an ad now, just like a fake ad that's like, the Honda Civic Si, kind of like a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it at that. But cheaper. Uh, <laughs> but on, and speaking of price, it's actually pretty cheap. Mine, uh, the base is about twenty-two thousand. Mine was only twenty-four four ninety. Um, it had pretty much everything you could want in it. it had a what a seven-speaker audio system with a subwoofer, seven-inch LED screen, and the LED screen's kind of cool. It's not that uh that soft kind of covering you get for most of them. It's actually hard like a uh, like a cell phone face. So it kind of feels familiar to touch it on a cell phone. Um, and the system sounded awesome. Uh, the two-tone seats are pretty cool. Handling surprised me, too. Um, I really expected it because it's a sedan to handle kind of like crap. Uh, but it's actually pretty nice, especially for being as front-heavy as it is. It's like 63% of the weights over the front axle. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, yeah, something well, crazy I mean, like, like that. Handling has always been like the big Honda key point, though. Yeah, they, they really tuned it well. And also, a nice thing about it, the steering wheel is nice and small. So it's really a quick t- quick twitch kind of vehicle. When you when you move your your the steering wheel just a little bit, it really turns the wheels hard. So yeah. uh, that that's pretty nice. It's a nice feel. Steering wheel felt good in your hand, and it's kind of sporty for a uh, for a sedan. It's not bad. It's it's better than the WRX. I give it that at least. Yeah. Now, what was what's the balance like between um, you really pushing it hard and it performing well, and then just cruising on the street and it beating you up? Like, is there a compromise there? Yeah, there really is. If you keep your foot out of it um, and keep the R's below 4,000 or so, it's really a cushy ride. Um, once you gas it and you get up, you get up over 3,500 with with full throttle, it opens up and it gets pretty harsh. Um, yeah. But also under full throttle, uh, the one-two shift is a little bit sticky. I don't know if it's a break-in thing or if it's the way the clutch is set to grab. It doesn't grab consistently, so sometimes you get the grinding on the one-two shift. Sounds like an excuse for being a terrible driver. Gee, no, I, I, got, I got the hang of it, okay? Once I learned the shift point and learned the inconsistencies, I learned how to do it. Everybody knows getting a new car, especially a standard, there's a there's a little little bit of a feel around. Yeah, I do stall almost every manual shift car I get the first time I get in it. I never stall them. I just have a hard time with the 1-2 sometimes, especially uh, on well, supercars. My driveway is on a slope, so it's like that's always my first experience with a car <laughs> is trying to do a hill start from a dead mm-hmm. stop. I'm like, okay, let's try to clutches, clutches, clutches. Oh, nope, that's not it. <laughs> it's never twice. It's never twice, but it is almost always once. Yeah, but honestly, you know, it's, it's a cool car, and it's nice to have a, the option of either a coupe or a sedan in the SI. Yeah. Um, but the SI is kind of in a very, very small niche. Um, it's in that realm where, you know, all the turbocharged models are 50-plus horsepower more powerful. And now you have all the other naturally aspirated cars, like even my Kia Forte is only about about 28 horsepower shy of it. Um, so all these now naturally aspirated cars are starting to catch up to it that really aren't performance cars. Like even the base Mazda 3 are not the base. The one with the 2.5 liters getting close to it. 
Um, so it's kind of in that niche where it's it's probably going to have to go away or they're going to have to bring the Type R over or put the Type R motor in ESI or something like that. Justin, all they have to do, my friend, is put stickers on it. And it's yes. Canyon's got, horsepower. You got the <laughs> NOS horsepower for every sticker. Yeah, you got to put the NOS sticker, the Gretty sticker, yeah. and I think the iBox sticker. Those are the that, that's the best combination. Yeah. You know that, what? That gives you the that best thing with iBox springs. I don't care if it's got an iBox sticker on it. <laughs> I could peel that sticker off later. If they gave me a full iBox coil coilover setup in that car, I would freaking buy one. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. But just you, you know, know stickers, stickers. a really good handling machine. Stickers without products is the best way to get horsepower. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on. So Justin is talking about cheap and silly and a little goofy. Um, Mark is going to talk about the exact opposite of that because he is driving the most expensive thing in the entire universe. Holy crap. Well, it's not the La Ferrari or anything like that. It's I mean, close enough for being a freaking SUV. <laughs> it's it's pretty much the most expensive SUV um, made. I, I would go ahead and tell them what you say that. Yeah, but well, I just want to say this: the, the number to to wrap your head around is thirty six thousand dollars. Okay, thirty six. Right? It doesn't sound that high, but that's the option package on this SUV. <laughs> That's just to buy the option package. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the new 2014 Range Rover autobiography and the total price for this bad boy is $137,700. That's $137,795. Wow. But <laughs> at the same time... <laughs> Holy cow. At the same time... This truck was totally worth it. I mean, for a week, I, I felt like I was somebody special. Um, and the autobiography package, basically what that includes is you get the really nice, um, you know, up option to leather seats, uh, the rear bucket uh, seats in the back, and, uh, oh, man, like the better paint, uh, the black-colored roof. Um, what else? I mean, like everything. Everything comes with this 1,700-watt, 29-speaker sound system, that was from 29 Meridian. speakers? 29. I don't know why they didn't <laughs> God forbid they go with 30. That's, that's excessive. Go yeah, 30, 30, well, 30 no, is excessive. I, well, I guarantee you it's 28 and a subwoofer. Yeah, I mean, no, there were literally speakers in the roof. There were speakers in the door. There were speakers under the... I mean, like, there were any square inch of room, there was a speaker. Uh, 18-way power seats with massage function that were also heated and cooled. Let's see, 21-inch wheels, adaptive front headlights with LED signature, high beam assist. You know what? That thing is worthless hey. because I'm pretty sure that the Audi that I drove had more seat adjustments than that. So, game over. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, my Range Rover is totally worthless now. Well, argument is is mute. <laughs> um, no, I. Oh my gosh, I. It's so hard to think of a vehicle besides maybe the the the, the Porsche uh, Cayenne that is more. I guess well-rounded than this because it's got a massive V8 putting out massive amounts of horsepower and torque, um, and it also can go off-road. So it's kind of like Ferrari meets Jeep, and here it is in this one car. Okay, Power. but it's but it's almost one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Okay, shut up. That's not the point. But no, so you know what <laughs> you know what you could buy with that? A house. Two C7 Corvettes. And a decked-out Wrangler. 
Yes, but who needs two C7s? I'm just saying, you could have a <laughs> pair of Corvettes. You could have your daily driver Corvette and your weekend Corvette and get a Rubicon. Well, that's a hard argument to argue against. But... <laughs> Granted, but between I can... all three cars, there won't be half as much leather but, as what's but in wait, the wait, Land think, Rover, I'm Think sure, of but... all the money you save on insurance and license plate fees, only having one car versus three. <laughs> I don't really know you're going to save that much on insurance because you get a discount for having multiple cars, and your one car is worth more than most houses. Yes, that's true. Well, this thing, um, it's, it's pretty much sticked out. house insurance for it. <laughs> you might. You might. Flood insurance and, and uh, lease agreements and, yeah, everything. What about the sinkhole insurance? <laughs> For real. All state. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, more about the car instead of its, its ridiculous price. Um, <laughs> gosh, I mean, this thing has it all. Starting out front, it's got the 5-liter V8 that has a supercharger. It's making, what, 510 horsepower, 461 foot-pounds of torque. It does have that start-stop feature, which, honestly, I was kind of unimpressed with. It doesn't really do it seamlessly, so when you're at a stop, it shuts off fine, but when you let off the brake and it restarts, it's just a little more harsh than I figure it, it should be. Maybe it's just a big V8, and it takes say, a little I bit more. I think it's the 500 just, horsepower part. Yeah, it's just it's a big V8. I mean, versus like something like a Prius, which the stop-start is literally seamless, and you really can't tell unless you're looking at the dashboard readout. Like, this thing, you know it. And, in, in fact, I found myself turning it off when I was in stopping of traffic because I, I felt like I was hurting it, having it start <laughs> over and over and over again. You but, know what? Um, That's actually something that I, I never considered that before because that engine's got a supercharger on it, and that supercharger takes a lot of force to crank over. I wonder how much... I wonder how much bigger the starter motor they have to fit to that thing is to deal with that sort of stress. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, and I, th I think most engines that have this sort of technology, now correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, think I'm, I think I've read this before, is when it does the stop, it basically primes a cylinder with fuel and air, and the only thing it has to do to restart the engine is spark that cylinder. So it's basically not using the starter, it's firing, it's, it's stopped mid-cycle and it's firing that cylinder, and that's what restarts the cycle. So I don't know that it actually uses the starter. In fact, when you're starting it from a dead stop, it takes a little bit, and it, you know you hear the starter engage. Not so with the start-stop feature. So, you know, possibly right, okay. they're saving themselves on that. But um, anyway, the gauge readout on this thing was beautiful. I had a, like a 12.2-inch LC or TFT display for the gauge cluster. Everything was digital. It moved. Beautiful. Uh, the center dash had its massive TFT touchscreen display as well. The off-road feature, you can put it in off-road mode with the train response. You can see where the wheels are at, how the articulation and the suspension is going, which differentials are locked. It's it's beautifully laid out, and, and I, I did kind of fail to uh, convey the, the infotainment system's, um, I guess, beauty in the way it worked in my article, because uh, I had a, a few people comment like, well, it looks really outdated. It, it wasn't at all. It was, it was actually a really nice-looking system. Does it have that cool dual screen function? Yes, and so you can do like terrain response audio, uh, navigation audio, navigation terrain response. Like you can basically make it however you want it to look. Well, no, yeah. so like there was a system, or like it was in the older Range Range Rovers, and I didn't, I, I don't know if it ever actually came to the U.S. or not, but the screen had a parallax barrier on it, 
which is kind of what they use for glasses-free 3D screens. But basically, if somebody was sitting in the passenger seat looking at the center-mounted screen, they would see something different than what oh, no, this saw. doesn't. So at you least have navigation going, and they could be watching a DVD. Nope. No, in fact, um, and that was another issue with the My car. My house too. has got multiple screens with multiple <laughs> movies. And it costs less. Yes, but it doesn't move. <laughs> How fast is it going to 60? Yes, let's hear that. <laughs> you no, know, but um, the, the infotainment system, um, it would not, obviously, for safety reasons or whatever, it would not allow DVDs to be shown up front under, underway. But um, I did have my, my kid in the back, and I threw the, the Mickey Mouse DVD in the console, and every time I restarted the, the truck, I had to go through the settings and hit which screen I wanted to play, where the source was, and and um, tell it which, like how to how to route every time versus it would not just, just remembering remember that. No, no, it wouldn't. So it was like starting from scratch every time. And I don't know if there was a deep setting to where you can hit remember me or something like that, but it just that was infuriating because every time I got in the car, I had to sit there and go, um, you know, rear DVD. Screen selection, input, DVD, display, like each like this ten step setting just to play the DVD in the back. Yeah, if you don't believe he did that enough times, he has it freaking remembered. <laughs> I, I remember it. <laughs> I can see it in my head. I know we can push. We complain enough about having to turn traction control back off every time we do a key cycle. God, that sounds yeah. excessive. <laughs> yeah, it, it is excessive. Um, now, of course, that was basically my, my biggest complaint with the electronics of the car. Everything else worked ex exceedingly well, uh, especially that terrain response system. If you look at the article, you can see kind of how it works as far as suspension raising and lowering. Uh, it has access height, which lowers the truck down really, really low, get in and out. It's almost like a sedan. Um, the Does it do that auto? Um, you can have it set up to do that, I believe, yeah. Uh, but there's actually a little button on the door panel itself, kind of like as you're reaching for the door handle, that you can press access height, and the, the truck will will airbag itself down to where it's really low. Getting in and out, help grandma in the car. You don't have to, you know, have a step stool or anything like that. Right. Uh, I enjoy a, go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. I, said, uh, I enjoy a, a lot of cars that have those sort of functions. That, like when you turn off the key, the seat will slide back and the car will drop to so make it easier to get in and out of the car. Yeah, uh, this one will do that too if you have that set up. You know, you can do the driver access feature, whatever like that. Uh, and of course, off-road. Um, I didn't really push this thing off-road at all. In fact, I just put it in a retention pond uh, at my neighbor's house. It was totally dry. It was just sandy and had about a had about a forty percent grade or forty percent uh, incline or whatever like that. It, it wasn't bad at all. At least. But I mean, it, it was really cool. I got to put it in uh, sand mode, low range. Had the suspension all jacked up, and you know, just it crawled up that hill like it was nothing. Uh, street tires and everything, not spinning a, a lick. It was perfect. Um, and the, the truck also has the uh, uh, like the 3D viewing. It's not quite as good as Nissan as far as uh, the overhead view, but you can still see what's in front of your tires, everything like that. So it worked. It worked out pretty well. And of course, it only gets 15 miles per gallon. Yeah, whatever. But no one cares. Yeah, it's no one cares. <laughs> Zero to sixty is like five point two seconds. It's it's beautiful. Right, it even has a freaking really it beautiful. has a it has a refrigerator in it. Okay, so this <laughs> inner console it has a refrigerator. yeah. But my golf has got a cold glove glove box. Whatever. 
No, yeah, no, no. Well, this isn't a cool glove box. This is a refrigerator. Like one of the actual refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if I didn't play with it too much, but I, it's probably just one of the cold boxes. But yeah, it's uh, base price for this thing. Uh, if you were not to get any options on it, starts at what eighty four thousand dollars. The option price for the autobiography thirty six grand flat, just for that option. My total to one thirty seven seven. So we've talked enough about this yeah. truck. But I know. I literally just, could talk about it all day long because it, it, it was pretty amazing. I, I really so enjoyed it. So expensive. And uh, I mean, it's got that ZF transmission in it too, and just hammering it out in sport mode, it really felt like a dual clutch. So, hey, that was always yeah. nice too. ZF does does good stuff. I, I hate that I can't get a Jag with a manual, but at least if they're gonna do an auto box, they did a decent auto box. Yeah, and it has that like like Jaguar. It has that uh, rotary button that raises up and, and down. Right, yeah. totally pointless, totally awesome. No, totally awesome. Totally <laughs> right. awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on, and we're going to talk about more obnoxiously expensive things that are totally awesome, because yeah, today you, is the day when I talk about... A, you, yeah, you got, to, you got to drive something really, really cool. Probably cooler than mine. Um, cooler than yours. Might have actually been cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got to drive in the Lamborghini Gallardo Spider. This is the LP560 version, um, so it was the second-generation car, um, and that's what I drove in Gumball, along with the big Mercedes Sprinter van. Um, and gosh, that thing is pretty sweet. Um, it was a rental, so Anastasia Date, the company that sponsored the trip, they rented the car from London and had it shipped over to uh, Miami so we can start this journey. And um, so it's a little beaten. had 25,000 miles on it. Some of the interior pieces are starting to wear and fall off, and some of the things didn't quite work right, and the key was jamming in the starter occasionally. You know, it's Italian. Um, <laughs> At least but, it didn't burst into flames for you, right? Right, but for being three, four years old and being a rental car that's had the living crap beaten out of it, holy hell was it good to drive. Um, the there, There's no watch control system in it, and the like from a hard start... The four-wheel drive system really bogs down, and so like the zero to the zero to sixty time is kind of terrible, um, and it doesn't feel that fast. But once you get it moving, and it, it it might have part to do with all of that V10 noise sitting right behind the back of your head, and the fact that there's no top and you have wind and everything, but it felt every bit as quick as a GTR once you got above about forty-five or fifty. So like if you were going fifty miles an hour and you were going to merge on to the interstate at 70, you kicked it down a few gears and punched it, it felt just as quick, if not quicker, than a GTR. And that amazes me, because the GTR is incredibly fast, and also this car is a couple years old, rental fleet with 25,000 miles on it. So either that engine is the greatest engine in the world, and it shows no wear or tear, or a brand new one of those things has to be the most incredible driving experience in the world. I'm thinking it's more that ladder because that thing's had the living crap, you know. There's no engine can take a rental car beating. I know, <laughs> but yeah. I'm just like, it, 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 just great. You flick the gear, and it's awesome. So the shifts are fast, but they're not smooth, and it's like in a good way. So, like, if you're in a manual and you're really hammering it, when you hit the clutch and you shift the gear and you drop the clutch back out, like, you get a bit of a forceful thump when you shift. And the Lamborghini shifts quicker than I can shift on my own, but it still gives me that awesome thump. 
So you point down the off-ramp, you hammer the throttle, and it flies all the way up to the rev line, just like eight grand, and you hit that paddle, it goes, and you get this thump in the back, and the car just, like, leans and launches. And it made all these noises, and the steering wheel was great, and the paddles are too small, but they're nice, and they're metal. Like, it was everything I wanted it to be. And it also had all the stupid, quirky stuff. So it was a right-hand drive car, because it came from London, which was cool. And the pedals are, like, put together wrong. Like, it was it was almost... They're left, if, if that makes sense. So think about a car, and you get into a car, and you've got clutch, brake, gas, right? This one doesn't have a clutch. So it seems like what happened is when they go, oh, we're not putting a clutch, they still started the pedals over there. So the gas is in the middle, and the brake is where the clutch is, and there's just nothing over on the right side where the throttle's supposed to be. You're jamming on carpet. <laughs> well, yeah, no, like, so like the first time you get in, you go to start it, and you're just like kicking like an idiot at nothing. And then you sort of look down, and you're like, okay. And then you like twist, put your feet to the inside of the car, and then you go, okay. Yeah, that's good. And then, like, that's how you drive. It's just like the bottom half of you pointed slightly that way. Um, wow. it, that would get annoying. Now, does it have a dead pedal at all? It does, which is like there's this much of a gap between the dead pedal and the brake. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. Right there. Well, and the dead pedal is just a thin piece of metal that's mounted to the center console. Uh, see, and stuff like that drives me nuts. But, like, it's just... It's Italian. I mean, like... Literally, you can you can tell the parts that Audi built and the parts that Lamborghini built. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. The headrest rattles when I get above 65 miles an hour if somebody doesn't lean their head against it. That's an Italian part. The engine has 25,000 beaten to hell miles, and it's still great. That's got to be an Audi bit. <laughs> I guess but, it works. Right, and it was... I was I was worried about it. Um, you know, the first time I drove a GTR, I was a little disappointed in it. And since I've been in lots of cars like that since, I was like, well, okay, the Lamborghini is going to be cool, but it's not going to be exciting or different. It's just going to be another fast car that I'm driving. But it, it, it was a different experience, and it's because it felt different in all the right ways. Like I said, you have tons and tons of noise. That V10 is so obnoxiously loud, and it sounds so unique. Like, you see car people on the TV or whatever, like, oh, you hear that? That sounds like it's a whatever, and that's a 12-cylinder whatever, whatever. And for the most part, I think that's garbage. You can't really tell. There are a few cars with unique noises, but uh, the Lamborghinis are one of them. No matter what was going on at Gumball, anytime someone started a Lamborghini, I didn't have to look. I was just like, oh, that's one of the Lambos. V10 or V12, it didn't matter. I'm like, that's one of the Lambos, because they all sound really angry, gargly. <laughs> like... <laughs> Ferraris, especially like when you just start them and they're just sitting there, sound kind of terrible. They're really wheezy and raspy, and they make this weird high-pitched noise. But like the Lambo sounds like multiple muscle cars. You know, you have that big thunk a thunk a thunk a thunk a low RPM throttle that you get or uh, idle that you get on like really big muscle cars, like a big like a big block Chevy. Imagine nine big block Chevys in a row, so that the idle sounded really fast, and that's kind of what all the Lambos sounded like, all of them. So, like, you have all that noise just swelling up behind you, and you've got infinite headroom, and you look over, and, like, everywhere you look, you just see square cuts, and every time you drive by somebody, they smile, and they wave, and they stare, and they point, and it's like that whole supercar experience. Even if you never went more than 55 or 60 miles an hour, you would still feel special, and that made me really happy about this thing. Well, you are special, Christian. 
I am so special. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit over here and drink my beverage. No, we're gonna give you the car for that one. <laughs> no, that that sounds absolutely amazing. I I gotta get my time behind one of those. Ah. Oh. All right, I do wish I had more time. I I only got a couple of hours behind the wheel total for the whole trip, so. I didn't do as much of it as I could. Um, I didn't get to test a lot of the good handling stuff because most of my time was spent on the highway. Um, but steering wheel feels great. Really quick lane changes are great. Um, I did hit one uh, slightly chicane off ramp, you know, cuts right and then back left really quick. Um, and from the little bit that I fiddled with it, the handling seems like it'll be really nice and really solid. Um, like, I just wish the car had a better launch. Like, if it would just get away quicker, it'd be amazing. That's that's like the only thing I don't like about it. Do those not have launch control at all? Uh, that one does not. No, and yeah. I, I don't know if it's just the way the transmission set up for the car, but like if you're at a dead stop and you reach over and you just like stand on the pedal, the car goes, and then it goes. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, gets, it gets really angry for a second. It goes, what the hell are you? Okay, hold on, I gotta turn switches and. Okay, are we good yeah, back there, Steve? Okay, we're good. We're good. Let's go. It's tired. <laughs> Well, like I've 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 heard that complaint before uh, about Lambos. It has a lot to do with just the way their all-wheel drive system is set up and the way the transmission's set up and all that sort of stuff. It's 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 not designed to be a drag light racer, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like once you get away, so like that's what we figured out was 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 best to do was to just sort of ease off and like once you started moving at all, you could hammer down and go. But just from a dead stop, just standing on the pedal, the car freaked out and didn't know what to do. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a lot of talk about a lot of cars, or not a lot of cars. Um, I just want to go ahead. Out, okay. I want to point out that it's a great day on the Top Speed podcast when a Lamborghini Gallardo is the cheap car that we talk about. I mean, if so, if you want to buy a used one right now, like I drove, yeah, they're like 125 to 135, depending on the condition. So you could potentially find one for cheaper. Now, a new one, no. But but a used 2010 like I drove, you could buy one of those today for probably a little cheaper than Mark's Range Rover. So I just don't take the Range. That's because you're an idiot. That's because I'm a track guy. <laughs> oh, no, it's because it's because you haven't driven the Lambo. I can tell you that's that's what it is. I know you're a truck guy. No. My headrest didn't rattle. Now I'm waiting to see Mark get a hold of a Lambo because it has all-wheel drives. He's going to take it into his neighbor's retention pond. Watch. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> if seriously, it's got all-wheel drive, guys. If I'm going to hit a blade of grass and get stuck on the front clip. Yeah, hit a blade of grass. Well, it, it's got a nose lift function. It's a little button. Oh, okay, there we go. There you go. Off-road mode. Off-road. <laughs> Terrain response on my Lambo. <laughs> okay, let's move on to talk about some real news. Since we've been in this podcast for like 400 hours, and we've talked about absolutely nothing. Hey, it's important, okay? God. Gosh. What we say, I think. Probably, anyway. maybe. Anyway. We've been right. on air for half an hour already. <laughs> All right. If anyone's anyway. listening to us, they like us, and so they want to stick around. So Yeah, and, and if – Right, and if they stayed for the whole cast, um, anyone They're who's watching this later or listening to the audio, you missed a sort of five-minute cluster bumble that I messed up at the beginning, which was really funny, and I'm sure people would enjoy it. But it's not on this nice, clean, edited podcast that you're watching later or listening to later, so you should have stayed live. All right, we're going to go ahead. First, first piece of news, um, a big one for me. Um, Michael Schumacher has been awakened from his coma, 
and he is being moved from the French hospital where he has been spending all of his time since December. Um, this is good news for a lot of reasons. It could be bad news for some other reasons, um, and we're going to sort of get into that real quick. So the first thing is, obviously having them say he is awakened from his coma is good. We have no details on that. So has he awoken and he is showing signs of brain damage? Has he awoken and he is showing low signs of general consciousness? Is he just awake and moving things, or is he awake and talking? Like We don't know. Um, I Before I started writing, I used to work in hospitals. Uh, I went to nursing school for a while. So there is a lot going on about this that we don't know. But the fact that they have said to us he is awake and we are moving him hospitals is a promising sign for his continued recovery. I know he's been down and out for a long time, but um, that doesn't mean anything terribly bad initially. Uh, a lot of people are out for a long time, and they still make full recoveries, 95% recoveries. Um, I don't think he'll ever be able to race an F1 car again, at least not competitively, but he should hopefully be a full-functioning member of society again at some point, and this is our first real step towards him getting there. So um, we're all thinking about him and wishing him well, and we appreciate the good the good news, and we appreciate everyone who sends out their good wishes as well for that. Um, but let's go yeah. ahead and talk about something that's a little less depressing and more supercar -y. Hey, Mark, talk to me about Aston Martins. Ooh, ooh. <clears throat> yeah, Aston Martin. Uh, well, apparently they are planning to kind of reinvent themselves, reinvent the brand. Uh, what they're kind of doing is um, starting with AMG putting some engines in that uh, hopefully will kick them up a little bit. Uh, they're going to be starting with a new platform, uh, which is going to kind of get away from the ubiquitous look, even though they're different models, and kind of getting a little more differentiation between the, the cars. And, uh, you know, what this means is definitely that, you know, it's new products, um, faster cars, better engines, and, you know, we still have that Aston Martin brand. Uh, it's It was kind of getting a little hairy there uh, for a while. We were thinking, are they going to make it? Well, they've been that way since Aston Martin started. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they're continually on the verge of bankruptcy. <laughs> we can we can only hope, though. You know, I mean, it's, it's like uh, we're really we're really pulling for Aston Martin, and we think you know this is going to be definitely a, a, at least it's a right step in the right direction. Um, I'm kind of curious. I'm kind of curious why Mercedes and AMG would would do this, because um, because Aston Martin I know is not a direct competitor to Mercedes in a full line sense, but there is some overlap there between the two. Not much, but there is a little bit. You know, you have the SL actually not the AMG GT coming out. There is a tad bit of overlap there. So is Mercedes and AMG maybe saying, well, maybe we can make a little extra money here to fill our coffers? Are they actually in in some trouble as well? Is that a possibility? Oh, no, I don't see so, that. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Mercedes Mercedes has a long history of doing this. Um, mm -hmm. Mercedes uh, is working with Nissan for on a new engine plant here in Tennessee, and they're going to be, be sharing engines. Mercedes, AMG makes all the engines for uh, Pagani, and yeah, has yeah. since Pagani started way back in whatever, 100,000 years ago. And, like, Mercedes and AMG has made a big deal out of their engine business in general, and they actually farm out a lot of engineering efforts to other companies, and they share a lot of that stuff with them. But um, here's the here's my issue, though. You say Nissan and Pagani. Neither one of those you can really talk about in the same breath with Mercedes. Uh, no one's going to go cross-shop a Mercedes to a Nissan. No one's going to cross-shop a Mercedes to Pagani. Well, no, but you could cross-shop Infinities. 
and that's what the engines are actually going to be used for. Yeah. Because remember, that was that was the big talk. The Q50 that's coming out is going to use Mercedes engines. So, like, there is a lot of overlap there, but I just say that there's a long history of Mercedes building engines for other companies, and I think it's because they're one of the smarter companies out there. So, yes, you don't want to give your competitors things that they can deal with, but at the same time, you don't want to spend $40 million designing a new engine, where you can spend $20 million designing a new engine and make them pay the other $20 million. Yeah. Well, I think I think one of the things that, you know, maybe AMG is considering is yeah, the new DB9 might have an AMG engine, but ha ha ha, they don't have the money to form the great suspension that we have and uh, the new updated architecture and everything like that. Yes, Aston Martin is coming up with a new platform uh, that in fact they kind of developed when they were with Ford back in like 2007, but it's it'll be new for them. It'll be updated, it's all aluminum all that sort of stuff. But maybe AMG is banking on the fact that the engine might be great, but the rest of the car might not follow suit as far as being a direct competitor with the other AMG-powered Mercedes vehicles out there. Um, right. And yeah, there would only be a couple Mercedes, like the what the what's the bigger SLK? You know, the the, the V12-powered. You know, that's basically the only competitor here with the with the Aston Martin. So I mean, good for AMG for kind of sharing the bits. Um, and I think that's it's only going to work well for Aston in the future. And and we are looking for this car to hit showrooms for the 2017 model year. Right, and you also do run into this whole thing of, yes, it is a Mercedes engine, but Mercedes is still building them, so they give Aston Martin the 500-horsepower version, and then they keep the 600-horsepower version. Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, this uh, what this is going to be, it's a 4-liter uh, V8 powered you know, from AMG. It's going to have the two turbochargers. Um, and they're also looking at the 6-liter uh, the V12 uh, coming in as well. So I mean, you know, it's it's, it's they're going to be two really decent engines. Nothing wrong with them, but sure, AMG is probably going to hold out on some of the technology. Um, is, this, from is is that six liter V12 a Merc engine, or is that a revised version of the six liter V12 Aston already uses? I think that's an AMG engine. Yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. AMG is going to be building them a new six liter V12. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know what? They need a new platform. The VH architecture they've been using is a thousand years old now. I will give them that. And yes, their engines are sluggish behind a lot of their competitors. But as long as they don't make my Aston Martins look ugly, I don't care what they do. Yeah, I, well, I think, you know, basically they're going to keep the same sort of um, brand identity. But from what I'm, I'm hearing from my sources is basically they're going to try to differentiate the cars more than having oh, the same look but a little different size with a, a different name badge on the back. You know, right. you can't really, I mean, if the casual looker can't tell a DB9 from a Vanquish. I, say, yeah. I could. DB9, Vanquish. <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> I know all of yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they all kind of look the same. Right. I, and then put a Ford Fusion beside it and say, whoa, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to make me joke on my Go Juice. <laughs> All right. That's what she said. Oh, geez. Okay. Oh. Moving on! That's always been kind of the thing with Aston, right? Is You don't buy an Aston because it's the fastest. You buy an Aston because it looks the best. Because it's an Aston Martin, and you're better than everyone else. Yeah, a, a little bit. Kind of like, like the Range Rover. No. 
<laughs> Not even a little bit. Because you're better. <laughs> that is some British pretentiousness right there. Woo, buddy. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, why do you think Jaguar is doing the whole uh, TN Crumpets, uh, uh, it's good to be bad? Come no, on. No, they're doing British villains, which yes. is not tea and crumpets. No, he's drinking tea and, and eating crumpets in the helicopter as he's, as he's chasing the bad guy, driving the Jaguar. You've got to see it. Hey, Justin, Nissan came out with this really cool, yeah. awesome <laughs> NC2020 concept that's going to preview the next GTR. What's that about? It's about a whole lot of... <laughs> Take that, Mark. It's, it's about Aston Martin and Jaguar. Yeah, yeah, Aston Martin, British Jaguar, yeah. Rawr, rawr. <laughs> it doesn't matter, America. America. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, are we done? Can I go home I now? Know, are, we, are you done? Are you, <laughs> I, I might be done. Are you done? <laughs> anyway. Shut up. Anyway, the Aston Martin. <laughs> Let me, I will summarize the NC2020 in a couple uh. of weeks here. They should have left it under the cover. <laughs> it looked so much better under the cover. Um, from from that view, is like, oh, look at the angles, look at the the width, look at the shoulders, look at the hips. Oh, it looks awesome. And they pulled the cover off. It's like, what is? What's that? It looks like a space shuttle pooped on something. Um, <laughs> well, but to be fair, that's how all of those cars look because these are all sort of the grand well, not, special thing. Not all of them. The BMW one didn't look like that. Well, okay, the, the Mercedes, Mercedes looked like they... So, to me, this car looks like they took a GTR, smashed it, widened it, and cut holes in it, which is what Mercedes one looks like, which is what the GTI one looks like, which is what, like, almost all of the other ones look like. Yeah. Just take this car we have and sort of go squish, stretch, and then cut some holes in it for VW. Apparently, apparently Christian is saying your opinion is invalid. And I, I guess wrong. so. He, he's trying to say <laughs> many, many words. He's, he's tired of saying you're wrong. He's trying to find more creative ways to say it. Yeah. Anyways. You know what? Hey, top speeders, topspeed.comers, if, if, if I made shirts with my face like this and it said you were wrong, would you guys buy those? I, yeah. <laughs> that needs to be in the um, – um, this the free swag giveaway. But also, I, I have to make, make a, a shout out. That says America. <laughs> yes. America. I have to give a shout out to uh, Gary Davis, one of our commenters. Uh, the the photo he posted in the comment section of that 2020, hilarious with the, the wheels. Have you seen <laughs> I that? See it. No, I didn't get to see it's it. It's a guy riding a bicycle, and instead of tires, it's got like spokes with shoes. It looks, exactly, oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly like the wheels on this Nissan. Hilarious. Oh, wonderful. It, it just... <laughs> uh, you it's so walk. perfect. Gary, slow clap for you, my friend. Some oh, of those guys find the weirdest pictures. But, I mean, <laughs> honestly, um, the cool thing about this is it's kind of obvious that this is sort of a conceptual preview to what the next-gen GTR look like. Um, it's kind of obvious that's it. It's not going to be this extreme. It's not going to be this crazy low slung thing like they're showing. Um, it's going to have, I think, the the headlights and some of the the, the cutout bits and the in the back end are going to be kind of what we're going to see come forward to the next gen GTR. That's the coolest thing about it. Um, the car itself is god awful, but ugly. I wouldn't want to see it. Well, actually, I can't say I wouldn't want to see my driveway, but I don't know if I'd want to really drive it. <laughs> it's Ouch, just, it's I think kinda, it looks like a Batmobile. I think it looks. I think, I think it looks great. If they painted it black. It's, and put it like a little bat symbol on it. I mean, like Alan West would be all up on I, that. I think it'd look really cool in a movie, but as a concept car, I I just it's too extreme. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Like Christian and it's too much power. This one's just too out there. It's too uh, Subaru like. So your concept car is too conceptual. Hmm. It's too, it's 
<laughs> Tell me more about your reasoning. <laughs> uh, so your supercar is too powerful. <laughs> Same argument. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's too much. There's a there's this point with the concept car where it's cool concept car, yeah, this might not make it to production. And then there's like, oh my god, what am I looking at? Like like the Pontiac Sunfire concept when they first released it. If you can look at that, Google that, this is what I see as the NC2020. I don't think you should ever compare anything that has anything to do with a GTR with a Sunfire ever again, or I will drive to your house and set you have, on fire. Have you ever have you ever seen the Sunfire concept? I'm, back I'm Googling it right now. Wow, it looks like the GM EV car that they crushed and burned. It, it, looks like, it looks like the X1. It looks like a banana that was oranged, and then it's got a... Uh, yeah, that's weird. But yeah, so here's the thing. I can look at that, and I can see exactly how they got the Sunfire out of that. Yeah, I see. The door The door is the same. The rear fascia-looking thing is the same. Yeah, that, like... No, I can, I can see exactly how they took that and made the Sunfire. Yeah, and yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm saying with this. The front and back, yeah, the front and back, I can see you can make it to production, but it's just the, the extreme detail they went with, you know, the big scallop sides and things like that are just too much on, on this on this NC2020. I'm not yeah. saying I hate it. I'm just saying it's too much. I, I wonder if that uh, Pontiac um, concept has uh, ignition switch problems. <laughs> no, but it has plenty of the big, fat, juicy, old GM uh, gray buttons with the white lettering on it. It's really cool oh. if you can find a picture of the steering wheel. Oh, those, are, those are lovely. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. This ultra-modern car with these big, fat, ugly GM buttons on them. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's move away from this thing. We've, we've, we've got to start making up some time somewhere. We've beat this horse till it's dead. Let's talk about other new cars that may be coming, and I don't know if they should. The um, RX-8! Yes, exactly. The RX-8 may be revived. Yeah, well, we, we, yeah, we don't know if it's going to be called the RX-8, but something, something from Mazda is going to be coming uh, for 2017, uh, and it's going to have rotaries. So that's always fun. So yeah. Anyway, uh, we kind of got this report that says that Mazda is going to be basically developing this car. It's going to weigh less than the old RX-8 did at like 2,800 pounds. It's going to have more horsepower, it's going to be more efficient, burn less oil, burn less gas, and be all around a better car, but still this rotary-powered, awesome car thing. I'm trying to figure out how Mazda is going to get past the Wankel... Uh, engine burn or oil burning issue. I mean, it's it's just I, it's in the engine. That's part of it. Yeah, right. true. But I've problem. also I've also seen guys who are literally not a part of Mazda, who have nothing to do with like Mazda engineering, work wonders with these Winkle engines as far as the developing better and newer gaskets that are more efficient and that don't allow blow by. So I mean, it's it's possible. It's possible. Right, and I but think that with modern technology and, and money. So yeah. what? So it's a wankle. Well, it's right. Cool. So like uh, that, that right there, that one thing is my biggest problem with like rotary engines because you're right, they're totally cool. And, and I'm glad like Mazda makes them. Bajillion. They have like five bajillion like RPM redlines. Like, well, okay, you can just, right, but so you can what? rev it. You can rev it for days. It doesn't matter. You but can't. You have it just to. sounds good. It sounds. Yeah, you good. have to rev it for days. The RX8 yes. made no power before like 8,200 RPMs, and then yes. it redlined at 9,000. So you had yes. this much power. Yes, it's yeah, got can... like it's got like 10 uh, pound feet of torque. But so what? It it's really cool. 
Yeah, as, as a guy that I owned an RX-8 for approximately two weeks before I traded it in on my Mazda <laughs> I have now. Literally, and wow. I am not exaggerating, two weeks I traded it in. That's that's um, a record. And the guy that had it before me put a borderline exhaust system on it. So that just compounded things. Not only does is the, is the horsepower kicking at like 8,000 RPM and there's like 140 pound-feet of torque, but it's going in your ear at the same time. <laughs> and you're not going anywhere. I'm trying to stick my foot out and kick it like a skateboard and get going. So it's actually a lot like a Fiat 500. All this noise and it sounds like you're going 100 miles an hour and you look down and it says 12. Yes. Now, well, hey, now, look, it, it saves you on tickets though, right? No, because then the cops just follow you because how damn loud the thing is. <laughs> so, so you're going could... 30 and a 45. I'm going to give you a ticket for going too slow and being too loud. <laughs> what, what, I, what I like about the Mazda RX-8, and I hope they keep this concept, is, is the interior design. It was very futuristic for its time. Um, it had what, a, the RX-8? Yeah, the RX-8. It was very advanced for its time, I think. Yeah, with the little, little, little winkle it, triangle thing. Yeah, they had a winkle triangle everywhere, and also the four-door. I thought the four-door, some people hated it. Hated it. I thought it was actually a really cool concept. They had the sports car. They had back seats and four doors. You could actually fit someone in the back. Yeah, it's it kind of cool. It made the glass house look a little bit funky, but it, it was a pretty cool feature to have. Yeah, right. You, you know, know, I, I, I have, have to admit, though, feature. that every time I see this car, I just think of Wolverine. <laughs> And please elaborate on that statement, Mark. Please, Do you not know? know. Like, apparently, Wolverine drove this car in one of the X Men movies, like Did back oh, yeah. when, it, when it first came out. Yeah, yeah. I've got them here at the house somewhere. I'm gonna have to go look for that now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Wolverine drove an RX. I'm not. Oh gosh, it's raining like crazy. Uh, I'm not really a big X Men fan. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I'm not really a big X Men uh, fan, but uh, yeah, I think I yeah. remember seeing that. So yeah, you're just, right. I'm looking at the picture right now. It's a blue RX-8. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I, I just think it's a really interesting car, and, and you know, the Winkle is really cool, and right now Mazda's not making one at all. But I, I think the, the Winkle is – it's the Winkle is to Mazda like the small block is to Chevy. It's like No, I disagree thing. because the small block's good. Who's to say Mazda isn't? No, no, no. The rotary <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but like I said, I do like I. I have to get this out there. I love rotary engines, and I love that Mazda keeps making them. Like it's one of my favorite things that they do. It has but potential. But it, it doesn't. Potential. Yes, it does. Sure no, they, they always have potential. I mean, some of the you can get them pretty, pretty well tuned. It's just a matter of what you have to do to it. You got to change the seals. You got to reinforce everything. Got to add force induction. Just to get a little power out of it. Right. Well, so, okay, a lot of the extra seals, because I spent a lot of time looking at rotary engines because I actually wanted to buy an RX-8 or an RX-7 for a long time. A lot of these new seals that you can use, they don't last as long as they as some of the other ones that Mazda uses that leak a little bit. For whatever reason, they, they don't seem to last as long, so you have to replace them more often, which is something Mazda can't and won't do because that's huge cost on the, on the, on the con consumer or massive cost for Mazda to make super long warranties. Either way, nobody wants to deal with it. And then those cars, they, they need turbos. They need forced induction to get torque. Like, yes, that Wankel makes 300 horsepower, but it makes less than 100 horsepower before, like, 4,000 RPMs, and it has zero torque all the way through the rev range. So yeah. you need forced induction, and then once you have Mazda making a forced induction rotary, they're going to run into the same problem they ran into with the last-gen RX-7, which is this car is amazing, and it's so freaking expensive, and nobody's going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the Wankel is really cool, but one of the biggest downfalls, like you said, is maintenance. I know there's people out there that are garages that will not touch these cars because mm -hmm. they are ridiculous to work on. Well, yeah, and pretty no much... one carries parts. It's, it's like... 
it literally is a completely different engine. It's yeah. it's totally a different school of thought. Right. I, I I love them, and in a perfect world, I would love to see that lots of them on the on the road, and I would love to see Mazda come out with like maybe a smaller engine than the one that they're using. You know, in, instead of the uh, sorry, I almost said 3.6, which is incorrect. The 1.3, which is also utterly incorrect. But we're not going to go into that. Instead of doing like the 1.3, cut it down to, like one to to uh, one liter side. And make a, make it a smaller engine, put some force induction on it. If they could get that thing out the door for like thirty five, I think it would still sell, and it would be a fun little interesting car. And that's what I'd like to see happen. I just oh, there's so much against them with that car. Have faith, my friend, have faith. Moving on. I I, I want to have faith because I love Mazda and I love every everything that they do. But I just ugh, wankle. All right, uh, let's talk about some Goodwood. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Justin, talk to me about some Goodwood. Yes, sir. We have two things coming down the line at Goodwood this year, two actually pretty damn exciting things. I actually misread one at first and got super excited. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, Christian, guess what? But it wound up being the digital version. Eh. Turns out you're going to be able to drive the GTI Roadster Concept up to Goodwood Hill, but unfortunately it's going to be in a Gran Turismo 6 setting. When I first wrote the uh, the piece, I started writing, like, oh, this is so awesome. You're going to get the drive. To, uh, cool. How are they going to pull this off? Insurance and all this stuff. And then I went down and read the press release again because I just didn't believe it. And, yeah, it turns out it's a digital version. But still, when... I'm glad we didn't publish that. <laughs> well, actually I, actually, I did click publish, and I was like, oh, crap. And then I unpublished it very quickly. <laughs> We're professionals. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> Don't question us. Sometimes, right. we get, sometimes we get just a little bit too excited, and the, yeah, things like that happen. No, but I've still, done that before. Either way, it's super cool. You're going to get to go to Goodwood and experience the environment that is Goodwood and also drive up the hill in the uh, in the GTI Roadster and all of its 500-and-something horsepower of goodness. Um, but the really super cool thing, and it's real, it's actually real life, is the Infiniti Q50. Christian, you say this better than me, but El Rouge. El Rouge. El Rouge. Rouge. You have to say it with a with a French accent. Ask about to say. Ask ask Phil how to how to yeah, ask he, Phil. he will tell you. I'll, I'll just get a sample from Phil and isolate that sample and just play it every time I go to say the word. <laughs> the Infinity Q50. Click. El Rouge. El Rouge. <laughs> but it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good one. And it's gonna drive up the hill. It's actually gonna be there. No, you can't drive it. Sorry, but uh, it's gonna be there and it's gonna drive up the hill and I guarantee it is going to be absolutely amazing to see and hear. I'm um, really excited to get whatever time they make up that hill because that'll uh, be a nice starting point for measuring the performance of this GTR-powered Infinity. Oh, yeah, and there are going to be lots of videos online for us to parse through and, 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 and digest. And, yeah, yeah. The, the, the time it makes up the hill is going to be a huge, huge uh, preview of what it's going to do when they finally release it. Um, and this also means that, yes, this is more confirmation that they are planning on actually making it, and it's not just vaporware. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. BMW M, look out. That's yeah, what I got to say. I mean, like, case, this thing this thing is going to make the M5 look like a, a child's toy. Oh, it, it's going to be a joke. Um, and for those that don't know, Good was taking place on the 26th and 29th of this month, in case you don't happen to know. And we'll be covering it in full here in the next week or so. Yep. Uh, and if you're in England, go check it out. Yes, and shoot a nice picture and send it to me, or a nice video and send it to me. Yep. Uh, send it to any of us. Justin is justin at topspeed.com, and I'm christian at topspeed.com. Send us photos! Yes, Mark pictures, videos. 
Yeah, yeah Morgantops.com. We Pictures have very, very imaginative email addresses. Um, yes. Okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to end the news. We're going to end the news. We're at 55 minutes. We got it. News is done. Oh, the news is done. All right, we're going to move to the question and answer segment. Um, so thank you guys for sending in questions. We appreciate them. Obviously, you can hit us those in the comments. You can send us those on Twitter at topspeedpodcast.com, or you can hit us up on the email, uh, podcast at topspeed.com. All right, first question comes from Darren007. Guys, I have a question for you. What car makers would you like to see make a car together? doesn't matter what kind of car, luxury sports car, hypercar, whatever. He thought about this question after reading the Renault Cater and Partnership had died. Wow, wow, wow. What a sad story. Uh, it is a sad story. I don't story. know. Maybe, maybe since his name is ending in 007, I want to see Mercedes AMG and uh, Aston Martin build a car together. Maybe an engine. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe something like that. You know, maybe I don't think that'll ever happen. No <laughs> way. Maybe a little power. Maybe, maybe a little, you know, some, something like that. Okay, you're Jeez. rambling, Mark. Somebody turn yeah. off the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Suddenly, a little Stewie. Like, <laughs> I would, I would, I would like to see um, Aston Martin do a car with somebody else. Um, I, I think I would like to see an Aston Martin BMW combination. That's interesting. Um, I want basic, basically, I want BMW to build the car. And then I want Aston Martin to design it. Like, like that's that's what I want. I, I want it to be done correctly. I don't want it to be like what Subaru and Toyota did, where Toyota designed it and Subaru built it, which is why it's broken all the time. The sucker room. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be, like, imagine, because, like, BMW makes great cars. The M3, the M4, like, everything M. Imagine if you could get an M6 that looked like a DB9. Like, <laughs> that. Your dog, your dog approves. Yeah. Right, your dog definitely likes that. <laughs> <laughs> we are professional folks. We mute, mute the mic. Mute the mic. We right. know what we're doing. <laughs> right. But, like, that... Just just try and think about that. You could have that perfect BMW feeling with those wonderful engines they make and the great handling, but you get the look of an Aston Martin. You get all the leather and the metal and the handmade Britishness that is an Aston Martin. But you know it, it'll it'll work all the time. It'll go fast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. Just kind of a coach builder type thing. Yeah. Well, interesting. Well, I picked um, a couple a couple oddballs. Uh, McLaren teaming up with Caterham, I think will produce one of the baddest track cars on the planet, um, because Caterham is so good at minimalist things. They minimize everything. They've so kept the so same just like freaking... a Caterham seven with like the P1 drivetrain. Something like that, but a little more style. Dumb. I want Caterham to take their lightweight technology, the way they're just so excellent at taking everything and minimizing it, and saying, this is what you need to make this thing a race car. And then take the P1 drive chain and go, plop, but also take a little bit of McLaren styling, give it a little good look. Um, I think that'd be a pretty cool combination, make an awesome track car. That's... I mean, if they could pull it off, that would be really amazing, actually. Like, I worry about that, because part of what makes all the Caterham stuff so light is the fact that there's nothing there. Like, mm -hmm. there's no roof, there's no windshields, it's the whole, the car is four inches wide at the front. Like, it's that sort of stuff where they get a lot of their lightweightness from, but if they could take and put a little bit of McLaren flair on, on that with some McLaren drivetrain tech, that, yeah, okay, I'll, I, will, I will give you that one. It's a lot better than what Mark came up with. <laughs> you haven't heard Mark. 
<laughs> no, that was not real. My real one. That was that was. Oh, cool. I was like, I was like, that is the biggest cop out answer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I had to think about it for a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. What I want to see is kind of along the same lines as Justin. I want to see Ariel and Porsche get in it together. Oh. I want to see a Porsche lapstick <laughs> nice. live inside an Ariel Atom. Take out that old Honda crap. Let's see some Porsche inside an Ariel Atom. Yeah. You know what the only problem with that is? Too much power? No. No. People are going to listen to it and people are going to like they're going to hear it and they're going to see it and they're going to think that's some sort of weird new Volkswagen dune buggy thing. Yeah, probably. but otherwise, like, holy cow! Like, I got wheels. Wheels are turning. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, like, Christian's now thinking, okay, where can I buy an Ariel Adam? Where can I buy a Porsche? Oh, I no, yeah. I know where to hey, get the Ariel Adam, and I know where there's a crashed Porsche actually. It's hey, a, uh, listen, we can, we'll, we will beg Porsche for some of those, uh, t- uh, the removed GT3 911 uh, <laughs> engines, the ones that catch on fire, the ones that that burn up. We'll put a, a fire supp- suppression unit around it in case it ever does blow up. Stick it in the back of a go-kart. Yes! Throw some high-performance tires on it. Ariel Adams oh, got nothing on this. Oh, man. Top-speed project right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. I You're thinking this. about it. You're thinking about it. Like I said, I, I, I know where there's a trashed 911 right now. It's an old air-cooled one. It's an 89. It's got the 3.2. That would be pretty sweet still. But could you imagine? Okay, we need to. You know what? We need to yeah, stop yeah. this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am not gonna get any freaking work done today. Now. <laughs> All right, Ariel uh, second, and uh, Porsche. Porsche, if you if you are listening, we're not begging you. Doesn't even have you. to be Porsche. We're not. Ariel, we're not begging you. You're listening. Yeah. Call us. We will make this happen somehow. I've I've got a spare kidney. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, second question is from Tunny. <laughs> Reading the article about the Ferrari Special Projects pieces that we have up on the site, which you haven't seen, check them out. They're pretty cool. Uh, made me think about what other car maker I would like to see have a division like this that would make one-off cars. Uh, he wants to know what car maker we would choose to have us make a one-off car, and what would it be, given that we were so rich that nothing on the market would satisfy our needs. He would go to Mercedes and ask them to build a replica of one of their old F1 cars and use the 760-horsepower engine they build for Pagani to power it. And, they'll, and he wants to make sure it's road legal. Uh, but what would we like to see? Hmm. Well, that's, hot. that's kind of hard. I don't know. I would have uh, to go. I'll go first because I have mine written down. I was a good boy and wrote mine down. I would have to say... Go <laughs> <laughs> clap. <laughs> my, my memory, my memory is like nothing, so I have to actually have everything written down. I'd have to go to Mazda and say, you know what, Mazda, I want you to take the Miata, the yeah. NC Miata, strip all of the aluminum and all of the steel off the body, slap nothing but carbon fiber on it, and take the the the, the engine that's in it, give it a turbocharger, push it up over 250, 260 horsepower, and I'm happy. That's all I want. Um, somebody on this podcast may be driving a supercharged custom Miata in a few weeks. Uh, I know, I know. So if people are listening and they're interested in what that might be, you should pay attention to the podcast in a few weeks. There may also be V8-powered Miata goodness as well. Um, but no, like, I think, like, that's actually a super cool idea. Um, take, you know, what they have. Like, you know what, we know you make it light and you make it as light as you can. 
but money's no object. Actually make it as light as you can mm-hmm. and give me all the power in the world. Thanks. Whee! I'd be happy so What they're going to do is they're going to call Ariel, slap a Miata back. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, look at our, <laughs> this new MX-6. Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, actually, the MX-6 was a car that existed. Yeah, yeah well, it was. It's the new 2017 MX-6. No, no, no. Yes. Dear, dear Shut up, God, no. Mazda, I'm don't do that. Don't make a new MX-6. Don't make a new MX-3. Just don't. No. Um, okay. So uh, I would actually really love to see Chevy or GM have a super cool special divisions company that would build whatever I wanted to. Uh, we talked last week about their Zora trademark and what they could do with that, making race-only Corvettes or making mid-engine cars or whatever. But, like, imagine if you could... And there, there are companies that do this out because the... GM small block is so incredible, and a lot of their chassis stuff is so good. But you walk in and be like, I want a Corvette, but I want a completely custom body. Uh, I'd have it designed by uh, Zagato because I love everything they do. And then be like, I want it trimmed as nice as a Ferrari is. So basically you can get that sort of craftsmanship and design that you get with these really cool Italian sports, sports cars. But it won't be four or five million dollars. It'll be like a half million dollars, and you've got big runty Corvette V8 power and a seven-speed manual transmission. Like that would just be my my little dream car right there. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that they could build it for half a mil though. Well, I mean, they took like I've so I, I tried think, to do think some... of all the engineering hours, the design hours, the building, well, I tried to the do mock-up. Something. So Ferrari, the last SP project that we just wrote about, the 720TS or the TRS or whatever it's called, the F12 TRS, that's what it is, based on an F12, which is about 400 grand, and the car is $4.2 million. So I just did those numbers the other way. If a base Corvette is 50 grand, maybe 10 times that to build my car, half a million dollars. Yeah, I can kind of see that. But how, <laughs> did, did Ferrari actually make money on this project or did they lose it? Uh, I'm sure they made plenty of money. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm sure they made plenty of money. Because GM is not really in the position to lose money on stuff like this. Yeah. Ferrari will never lose money because Ferrari can build anything they want to and charge anybody any amount of money they want to, and oh, it will sure. get paid. They'll sell every one of them. Yeah. Remember, Ferrari's the only company in the world who has actively said, we're going to make less cars and sell them for more money because we're Ferrari, and that's what we want to do to keep our brand prestige. Yeah. Ferrari Civic SI. Yeah. <laughs> but that one has to have four VTEC gauges <laughs> and eight turbos and three coffee can exhausts yes and a wing that <laughs> is ten times taller than the car alright well Mark uh, you know, what would yeah, you like to I'm make the roof spoiler yeah, in the ground effects kit yes uh, I'm going to kind of go in the opposite direction you guys I'm, I'm going to say Jeep. I want to see, like, Jeep built some pretty darn cool stuff for this uh, Easter Jeep Safari kind of stuff, uh, you know, the, the Mighty FC concept and and the, the, the Battleship, whatever it was they named it. I mean, they, they make some really sweet concepts, uh, but they don't really do anything with them past that. Um, yeah, they run them, but that's kind of it. Uh, so I, I think that if you could go to Jeep and say, I want factory Mopar parts, and I want it built like this, and I want it to come from you, um, build it. Granted, I know that there's a company out there, and they make amazing stuff, 
um, AEV, American Expedition Vehicles. They make perfect stuff, and they actually have, like, the brute old, old Chrysler engineers working for them. But, you know, if you could do this from Chrysler and say, I want the 6.4 Hemi in it, I want uh, 456 gears, I want a 7-speed manual transmission and uh, Atlas II transfer case and 900 pound-feet of torque, like, build it, you know? That would be right. pretty sweet. That's, yeah. Okay. It yeah. Would, it, I, I'm afraid it would put AEV out of business, and I re- really hate that because I really like that company a lot, but uh, I just think that would be really cool. I mean, hmm. I would like to think it wouldn't put AEV out of business, but I guess it would depend on how far Chrysler would push their custom program. Cause yeah, because like, I mean, the Brute is a pickup truck. It's a ranger-based pickup AEV. truck. You go to AEV and you say, I want a Brute, or I want a Mighty FC, and by God, they will build it for you. Yep. They literally will build it, and they have Chrysler engineers that, well, ex-Chrysler engineers that used to work for them that that now work for AEV, and they say, well, we know all the company secrets, and like we can build it the, way, the right way, and everything is, is perfect, and it looks like it did roll off of Chrysler's showroom, but it's, it's a JK with a bed on it, or it's a JK cab with a um, massive, like, 40-inch tires and a massive bed on it with the Mighty FC concept. So I think that would be really cool. No, I agree. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead. We're going to wrap up the show, guys. We've got our own drive burn. Uh, this week's own drive burn comes to us again from Darren007. This is from a show a couple weeks ago, so thank you, Darren, for being so active in our podcast community. Um, yeah. He has sent us a triplet of concept supercars. Uh, first one is the Maserati Birdcage concept. If you're unfamiliar with that, it was a concept that came out in 2005 or six or somewhere around there uh, based on the MC12 platform. Um, then we have the uh, Ferrari Rossa concept, which came out way long, way long, thousand time ago, thousand years ago, that one. I can talk eventually. Uh, it came out in about 2000 or something. Um, that one is a Ferrari V12-powered car. Um, it was built to celebrate 70 years of Pininfarina. Um, so it's kind of cool, topless roadster thing. And then we have the Citroen G- GT concept, which looks a little bit more like the Maserati. It's a two-door supercar concept that was built for Gran Turismo 5. You could drive it in that game. Um, so those are our three choices. Um, we're going to go I'm ahead going, and let Mark... I'm going, I'm going first, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I my burn... <clears throat> it's got to be the stupid Ferrari. I'm sorry, but if you look at the side view, it looks like Ferrari did a body kit on a Pontiac Solstice. <laughs> like, the door looks like it is straight from the Solstice. It is terrible. And it the came out into the south. I'm them a little bit. It doesn't matter. The front end of this thing looks ridiculously hideous. It, it, it's it got these little squinty headlights, these square-looking, like, air ducts, and this little bitty grill. It... Yeah. I've seen Matchbox cars look prettier than this thing. It looks terrible. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to get put on fire and rolled down a hill any day of the week. Uh, my drive once is going to be the Maserati. I think it looks really cool with a whole little like clamshell hood door thing going on. Um, but I wouldn't want to drive that every day. I just, it's a little bit too much. Uh, for my everyday driver, it's going to be definitely be that uh, the Citroen uh, GT concept because I think it looks freaking awesome. It's like a Batmobile, but it's in white. and need to paint it black. And it just, 
it looks like it needs to have like guns shooting out from the side of it and flames and like atomic bombs coming everywhere and like yeah it that that is an awesome looking car. That's okay. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be slightly different. Um, I'm actually going to burn the Citroen. You suck at life. Well, so yeah, if, if if okay. The car has, like, five engine options based on if you got, like, the video game one or the real-life one or whatever. The video game one came in, like, three or four trims, and one of the engines, it was a hybrid with hydrogen technology and, like, 900 horsepower or something and all-wheel drive, and, like, that is awesome. The one that they built that they take to shows is powered by a 4.6-liter Ford Modular V8 from a Mustang. So the hell Mustang! Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm not going by what's in it. I'm just going by looks. Well, right. Like, it looks amazing, but if I have to drive this thing, like, I want it to be cool to drive. So it's going to just be set on fire because it's a big, heavy concept car with a Ford Modular V8 in it. Yeah, this thing needs, like, a W16 from a Veyron or something in it. Something awesome. Or, like, that hybrid... I I think in the hybrid system, it was, like, a V8 or a V10, like I said, with a a hydrogen power plant and batteries and all-wheel drive, and it was, was like, eight or 900 horsepower. Like, this super cool idea. And then it's like, here it is with a rumbly furred V8, 204 horsepower. 789 Um, horsepower, to be exact. Well, that's what the concept was supposed to be. Yeah, that's oh, not what the actual modular the actual V8 car, has. The actual car is 510 to 615, depends on the road or race. Yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. Anyway. So, right. So, um, I would drive the Ferrari once. The, because I mean, it is ugly, and it doesn't have a roof, and I don't want to have a car that's that ugly and has no roof on it. But it is a Ferrari, and it does have a Ferrari V12. Um, and I can say I drove this cool Ferrari concept that was part of Pininfarina's birthday celebrations and stuff. You know, there's some of that coolness to it. Um, I drive that once, and then I would own and drive every, every day the Maserati bird, Birdcage because it's built off the MC12, which itself was built off the Enzo. It's got the Enzo's V12 in it, that big monster 6-liter six, six V12. Um, the concept car, I think, is making like 740 horsepower or 700 horsepower or something like that. It does have that cool little roof thing that lifts off, which could be annoying sometimes, but other times could be awesome. And of the three, it's my favorite one, and I think that's one. <laughs> could you favorite. imagine getting in that thing in the rain? Yeah, like, really. We get soaked. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be any worse than driving a 370Z convertible and having it start rain. We have to pull over on the side of the road to a dead stop and wait 31 seconds for the top to go up. Yeah. Too shy. <laughs> Okay, okay, you had your fun, Christian, but I'm and, sorry and, you're wrong. Anyway, yeah. You're wrong. I'm the only Justin. one who's allowed to say you're wrong. No, hey, Justin, that. please please don't answer that you are going to drive the Ferrari every day. Cause... No, 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 no. I'm actually pretty much in line with Mark. I will. I'm going to start burn. Burn, 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 please. Burn that ugly, ugly Ferrari Rosa. It's disgusting. It's ugly. It's it's uglier than the LaFerrari La name is stupid. It's, <laughs> It is terrible. It's disgusting. It's not powerful. It's like 460 horsepower. So then it doesn't even have enough power to go with the ugliness. You know, ugly is okay. The Bugatti is ugly, but it's powerful. So you need a little power to go with it. Not enough power. Burn it. Like he said, burn it, roll it down a hill, throw it in the ocean. I don't care. Um, I would want to drive once the Maserati Bird gauge. Um, just because it's awesome. 700 horsepower, that, that fighter jet-like cockpit you have to open up the front and slide in. I think it's pretty cool. Um, it's just a sexy, sexy-looking car, something that would be fun to fly around the track in. Um, 
and to own, I'd have to own the Citroen GT. He said, it is powerful. I don't care what you say. 615 or 510 horsepower. That's still plenty powerful. It has, you know, an American motor. So there you go. It's easy to fix. And, Mer- and the, uh, America. And then throw the camera. Yeah, yeah. Throw a camera. Blah, 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 blah. It's perfect. There you go. You're shaking concrete. But, I know uh, someone who has a cammed Subaru Outback. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it barely runs. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that the, the video game car had those four hydrogen cell motors on it is just fantastic. I'd love to see if they made that. But, yeah, I'd own that just because of its awesomeness. All right. Well, there you go. Good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Um, time for some contest giveaway stuff. Free swag! Yeah, the first time we did the little contest, I asked you guys about subscribing on YouTube and Twitters and all that stuff. And that's complicated. A lot of people don't have all that. So we're going to make it really easy this, this time. Um, all I need you to do is send me your name and your address to christian at topspeed.com. Just email me your name and your address. Social security number, birthday. Yeah, social, social security number, birthday, and credit card numbers. Driver's um, license number. Yep. Uh, no, just uh, send me your name, and uh, if you don't want to send me your address, fine. Send me your name, and then if I pick you, you can send me your address later. But um, just I would prefer to make it easier for me at the beginning because then once I say once once I pick some winners, I can already have the stuff in the mail for you. Um, so name, uh, mailing address, and then that's it. Send it to Christian at topspeed.com. That is C H R I S T I A N at topspeed.com. Uh, some of the things I've got. So I've got couple keychains. They say Gumball on one side. This one says Team Gallag on the back, which is one of the big teams. This one says Team Betsafe. Um, they're both going to go back in the little wrappers. I've got a bunch of stickers. Most of them are from Gas Monkey Garage. Gas Monkey and Gas Monkey. And then i got a big one. I've got a couple of each of these. Uh, I've got two or three Gumball stickers laying around here somewhere. Um, if I get enough entries and I get enough interest, I will be giving away a couple of my Gumball t-shirts. Uh, and if I get a whole ton of people who are interested, I will be giving away the backpack. So the more people that enter, the more chances there are to win, the more cool stuff I'm going to be giving away. So just go ahead and send me your uh, send, send me an email and uh, I will respond to you guys, say thank you, and uh, I'll pick out some winners and I'll send some cool, some cool stuff out. Otherwise, uh, this has been our show. We appreciate you for hanging out with us. Um, we really, really appreciate... So Mark just sent me an email. Pick me! Mark, I don't think you're eligible to enter. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, actually, to <laughs> my, my address is pretty good. Right. So to make it, to make it easy for me, uh, please make the subject of the email gumball3000 so I can sort through all those easier. Um, not pick me, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Um, so again, email me, Christian, at topspeed.com with the subject heading gumball3000. I am Christian Moe. You can... Send me an email, or you can reach me on Twitter at Moford. That is M O E F E R D. Uh, I've been joined today by Justin. Justin is on Twitter at the Car Junkie. You can also find the crazy Mr. Mark McNabb. He is simply at Mark McNabb. You can find him on Twitter or the Instagram. He prefers the Instagrammies. Um, otherwise, thank you guys. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes if you haven't and you want to catch up with us without trying to catch the live shows. Um, thank you a whole ton to everyone who watches our our live show. We really appreciate it. Um, I thank you guys for letting me do this. Uh, if it wasn't for you, we couldn't do this, so thank you. Um, otherwise, we hope everyone has a wonderful, wonderful Thursday, a wonderful Friday, and a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you guys next week for episode 17. Oh, I don't have music. <clears throat> Play us out, Johnny. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you having you here. We hope everyone has a great weekend. 
and the wonderful, don't forget, wonderful don't to tip your waitresses. <laughs> tip your waitress. If you don't, I'll come get you. Because we love you. Anyways, that's our show, everyone. We hope you had a wonderful, wonderful time. We'll see you next week. Bye.